Computer, initialize Holosuite. Holosuite Media. Welcome back, listeners, to The Expanse, a Star Trek Enterprise podcast brought to you exclusively on Holosuite Media. I am but one of your co-hosts, Chris Hill, and with me this week is Perry Freeze and Jordan Brown. How are you guys doing today? Doing great, man. Happy to talk about getting ready to talk about this episode, one of my one of my least favorite episodes <laughs> of Star Trek. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I'm, I'm doing well. Uh, now I'm very eager to hear why this is his least favorite episode so okay <laughs> trips won't, won't be joining us this week because it is definitely his <laughs> least favorite episode and he's like yeah i'm gonna go ahead and set this one out and he, he also said you know kind of, kind of pointing to one of our you know predecessors if you want to know his thoughts just just listen to what patrick devlin had to say on the subject and and they, their, their thoughts are the same it, it must be that that new york city connection because they're, okay. they're both from New York, so... Alright, so, uh... How's everybody's uh, past week been? Go ahead and start with you, Perry. Mine is always the same in the sense that I'm always busy. I always... There's just so much that I have to do sometimes that I feel like I really need to, like, stop priding myself on always figuring out a way to get things done and really just start exiting, th- exiting things off the list just so I can have a little more downtime. I mean, Sunday was a bit of a crazy day because I had, you know... Uh, family emergency that popped up that really took me out of everything. And, you know, as I was discovering today, you know, losing that day, a day that normally is like what I consider more of an easy day anyway, but losing that day really, um, you know, just really pushed today, Monday to be like super packed. So um, yeah, I'm just going to have to scale some things back, but otherwise, like, I mean, even though, again, like I said, I've been busy this past week, things have still gone pretty well. I've still accomplished things that I needed to do this week. I've got a lot of training coming up for some new officers at work uh, that I've got scheduled. Uh, That's probably my main thing right now, but other than that, doing good. That's good, man. Nice. How about you, Jordan? I've been all right. I I started, same as Perry, I've just been really busy. Um, I've, I've been working out every single day. Because uh, it's summertime, you know, <laughs> trying to get in shape a little bit. Probably been overdoing mm-hmm. it. I haven't even taken a rest day. Um, and I started a new job today. So nice. Um, Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so I'm, I'm going to be a loan officer and um, trying to get all my licensing and get all that going. So just a lot of stuff on my plate. And I can always tell you know, when it's a stressful week for you guys too, because our chat is a little more dead than usual. <laughs> usually, usually we're just, you know, BSing with each other, talking about whatever. That's true. Um, but it was like dead this week. <laughs> That's true, man. <laughs> and I, I feel yeah. that too. So. That's true. I, I didn't, you know what, you point that out and I, now thinking back, I was like, you know what, that's true. Like I didn't get very many messages at all, if any, this past week, uh-huh. you know, and I mean, I, that wasn't necessarily that I was looking for them because I was busy, but that, but normally like that's a good break in my day is, is somebody sending something Trek, um, you know, related, but yeah, you know, normally somebody asks something or says something and I'm like right there and I can, I have the time to say something or whatever. Didn't, didn't Same. at all this, this week. <laughs> yeah. I feel you on that. Yeah. Uh, pretty challenging, pretty busy, you know, pretty packed week. Um, I know you, I know it's, uh, you got a lot on your plate, man. So, um, nature of the nature of the single parent beast, man. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I have, that's exactly what I'm going through. So sometimes it's nice to decompress mm-hmm. in the chat with you guys, you know, and just talk about, talk about that stuff. But I know everything was keeping us busy this week. So I think uh, I think I saw some photos of Chris. I think he went to a hockey game mm-hmm. or something. So I think we were all just doing stuff, you know. So yeah, like like, like you were saying, Jordan, I did go to a to hockey game Saturday night. Uh, they had a Star Wars night at my local ECHL team, which is like 
double A hockey. Don't you mean Star Trek? So had a had a blast that. <laughs> no, I think he means. Did I say you Star Wars? Sure oh, it was you a Star sure Trek did. night. You sure did say Star Wars. Okay, well that's that's because that's because this is the first time I have seen a Star Trek night, and so I'm always used to everybody doing damn Star Wars nights. I've been trying to convince my local uh, high A baseball team to do a Star Trek night, but so far no dice. Uh, but I'm sorry you you committed like Star Trek Star Trek <laughs> fan sin number one is to. Make the reference of Star Wars to Star Trek. You're gonna have to like dock you some points on that one. <laughs> I thought for sure oh, he had you know. actual Star Wars. I was like, oh, all right, that's cool. <laughs> I mean, if it, if it had legitimately been Star Wars, I wouldn't have had a problem. But because I know that it was Star Trek, uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did. Now that you mention it, uh, that would be weird to wear an NXO one hat to a Star Wars night. <laughs> yeah. Well, unless unless I could have been like you know Will Wheaton going to the premiere of uh, one of the Star Wars movies yeah, dressed in true. that TOS uh, uniform. Yeah, I did see those pictures. That was fun. I just saw one of him the other day where some guy was proposing to his girlfriend in front of the whole TNG cast, and Will Wheaton's face yeah. was just gold. It was just gold. It was like he was the one getting proposed to. <laughs> yeah, it was. No, you could see it all over his face. He's like. Are you going to say yes? He's well, like, with that audience, you kind of have to. Yeah, you kind of have to with yeah. that audience. I mean, jeez. <laughs> you going to turn someone down in front of Captain Picard? Uh, I don't think so. It was so funny. You could see all of their faces, and all of their faces mirrored. I felt like mirrored their characters a little bit. Like, Worf was kind of annoyed. <laughs> Michael Dorn. Uh, trying to think uh brent spiner of course he's the biggest smart ass of them all and he's just sitting there like like this look on his face uh yeah, it, was, it was a funny picture for sure oh man i couldn't mm-hmm. imagine so yeah anyways if you guys were following us on on twitter that night you, you saw a couple of posts that i had made mm-hmm. throughout the night for star trek night Harry. <laughs> But yeah, uh, their their uniforms were based off the they uh, uh, based from uh, Beyond. Um, some of the the clips they had shown were from the the Kelvin movies. They had a bunch of TNG clips, and uh, I think in between the second and third period, they, that was when they did uh, TOS clips. So no no representation for for Enterprise, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, or any of the new ones. But hey, we'll we'll take uh-huh. what we can get. So, so we're actually going to be talking about season three, episode three, Extinction. Some people That's call right. it the Fraggle Rock of Star Trek. I'm sorry, I've never heard that. I'd never heard that until you guys said that. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've never heard that either, but I'm going to go with it. I'll, I'll, I, I'm going to give full full credit where it's due. It's uh, Patrick Devlin there, mm-hmm. uh, one of one of Tribs's podcasting buddies there with, with his uh, Mickey's Marvels. So. Hmm. He's the he's the one that, that I guess coined coined the phrase Fraggle Rock in space. So, <laughs> but yeah, before before we get into the, the meat of our discussion, uh, don't forget to like, subscribe, and follow us on on your social media platform of choice. Uh, we are at NXO One Podcast, and uh, we do have a Patreon as well, which I will leave the details for you right here. If you enjoy listening to The Expanse, a Star Trek Enterprise podcast, every week, then please consider supporting our show by becoming a patron. Visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash nx01podcast. There you can view our subscription tiers. Some of the benefits of becoming a patron include early access to our episodes, bonus episodes, and so much more. Your support helps us continue to maintain and exceed the high level of quality that you have come to expect from this show. To all of our existing patrons, we appreciate you and your generosity so much. And to those of you considering joining us, we would be so thankful to welcome you into our group of patrons. Again, visit patreon.com slash nx01podcast for more details. You will also be able to find the website link in the details of this podcast episode. Welcome back in.
for uh, for the plot summary here on on Extinction. I'm, I'm I'm glad I went ahead and typed something up so that way I'm not just kind of going off the cuff, taking up even more time. <laughs> so now uh, we we start the episode uh, seeing this humanoid fi- figure being chased through the jungle, and then it is ultimately killed by by uh, flamethrowers. And this is also the first time in the. Then, then we get to the uh, opening credits, which is the first time it says Star Trek Enterprise, as opposed to just Enterprise. Um, after that, uh, Trip has come back for for another neural pressure session, which he skipped a couple in between the first one and this one. Uh, and sort of as a sign of gratitude, he offers uh, peaches that he had picked from Georgia that subtle, Chef had real put subtle, in yeah. For him. <laughs> yeah. Way to go, Brandon, on that one. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, to pull at first is kind of kind of resistant. You know, saying she doesn't eat this late, but then she ultimately goes ahead and takes a bite of the uh, of the peach there, and then they begin the the session, which actually gets interrupted by Archer uh, calling down to the pool, saying that he's made some discoveries from the Zindi database that they they had. Uh, acquired and they found a planet that was only a day away that was the last planet that 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 zindi had that that set part of the zindi had uh, went to before they were attacked so they go ahead and head on over there uh archer reed hoshi and topol go down to investigate and while they're there they start to get start getting changed genetically um First, we see Reed get fully changed into this weird alien, and uh, he's the first one to kind of succumb to it, just because. He, at first, he blames it on you know his not liking of jungles, and they were sort of a jungle environment still. Uh, and then, Topol kind of realizes realizes what's going on because uh, she kind of sees her skin turning blue and feels some ridges up along her eyes. Then. Uh, but that, that's the only thing that affects her. And, and then we see kind of Archer and, and Hoshi also change. And we actually get a little C, what I call the CSI scene of this one. Where we go inside Archer and see his ribcage changing into the ribcage of these uh, aliens. Uh, we later find out that they were called the uh, Lokek. Um, and so they, uh, they try to... Uh, or yeah, they got back on the Enterprise to try to figure out how they can can get a hold or get the uh, get their crew members back up safely and figure out what's going on with them. They're actually only able to get Reed, and at that point, Doctor. Yeah, at that point, Flox is trying to work on an antivirus because that's what he's he's figured out that it was a a virus that was causing this this mutation. While they're they were doing that, we get a. Uh, I, I'm calling them visitors because I don't think we really get they really get told what what the name is of this alien species, but they kind of patrol this area space, make sure nobody visits this planet, that sort of thing. Um, and they they say that you know it's a restricted planet and they need to eliminate the infected members of the crew. Uh, Trip obviously refuses as they're trying to work out how to how to cure their fallen crewmates. Fox. Uh, and say that he needs some of Topol's DNA to kind of speed up the antiviral process because Vulcan K cells really fight off this virus and make it to where it's sort of sort of an asymptomatic type thing where it's not really shedding all that much and not really changing. Uh, and then at that, that point, that's when Tripp remembers the peach that Topol had eaten earlier, runs down, grabs it, and then Dr. Fox is able to finish the antiviral. Uh, the visitors come down and try to or yeah, try, try to kill kill off uh, Archer and Hoshi, who are still down there and fully changed at this point. Uh, a little fight ensues. Then Trip beams down and stuns stuns the guys that are trying trying to kill Archer and Hoshi. They get beamed up to, yeah, beamed up to the decon chamber, 
and that's when Dr. Fox go ahead, goes ahead and, and you know, gives them the antiviral. They start to change. The The visitors are like, hey, you know, we still need to eliminate these people to keep keep this virus from spreading. And then Trip's like, uh, scan them again and see what, see what you see. Um, and then, you know, Hoshi and, Hoshi and Archer also appear on the bridge as, the, as, as you can see them unmutating from, from this virus. And that satisfies the visitors and Archer even offers the antiviral to help them, you know, kind of contain, contain the virus. At the uh, end of the episode, Reed's still complaining about not being able to eat eat as normal like he used to. Um, and then Archer kind of comes in also for, for a checkup. He, uh, Archer and Flox talk talk a little bit. Uh, Flox kept a, uh, a vial of the virus and first, or, and Flox is wanting to destroy it. But Archer's like, no. Since we've given these people the anti antiviral, they're going to destroy what's left of the civilization and this will be the last thing left of the civilization. And so they put it into cold storage. That's the episode. So, what were your guys' first thoughts on this episode when you first watched it? Oh, Jordan, you're going first. You're going first. So, <laughs> oh, I got. I got to hear it. Come on. Uh, I was. I was. Uh, you know, I was a kid when this came out. I remember watching it and being like, "Is it over yet?" Like, is it, that was my first thought. Is it over yet? <laughs> um, a couple, couple good moments that I did enjoy overall. Um, I don't know. It, it's not even like it was a weak story. I just. It was it was the pacing was different than some of the other episodes that we've seen in the season. Um, you know, I, I've already you guys are already well aware of my preference for, you know, action packed suspense and whatnot. Mm. This this unfolded a lot differently. I think that played into it when I went back and watched it recently. Obviously, um, I'll say I enjoyed it a little bit more, but but not that much more. <laughs> it was, um, uh, you know, I thought it was a cool way to. I always enjoy openings where you're trying to figure out where it's not on the ship, right? Um, you're trying to figure out where where they are, what's going on, and how it's going to relate to the episode. And usually, when we start out in a foreign environment, then you know after um, the intro rolls, then it moves on to you know the ship flying through space, and then we we see how they're going to end up in that situation. So it kind of did catch my attention, you know, some dude getting torched in the very beginning by all these. <laughs> all these people with flamethrowers obviously something was going on um but there there were definitely some moments that i thought were were really interesting particularly the ending i remember even thinking that when i first saw this episode that the ending was my favorite part um because of the just all the implications i think that's that's another part of our aspect of star trek that i really appreciate is um episodes that make you think and i wasn't you know pre-covid or whatever i wasn't thinking about you know i was thinking a virus equates to a cold you know what i mean like these guys all have colds and this is how they're dealing with it um you know post-covid obviously you know it's very interesting to see their take on on quarantine them quarantining this whole planet i think we all understand the need to quarantine versus then i was like really you guys are just gonna kill them all you don't you're not going to try to even find a cure. <laughs> like, um, but now I'm like, yeah, you know, if something like, <laughs> if something that like deadly. that were that yeah. serious, yeah. It was that deadly? Absolutely. I can understand yeah. why they would pursue a policy of quarantine against, you know, the whole entire planet and any inhabitants on it. Um, so, you know, I, I think this was one of the, not one of, in season three, at least one of the first times that we're seeing trip again in command. He's been in command before. We've seen it a couple times. I really enjoy whenever Trip has the bridge. He's just he brings a different kind of um, leadership style, um, you know, and equally respected. Um, I find it fascinating that he's an engineer and has such command presence. So I really enjoyed those things about the episode too. All right, Perry. I was just to say that's a good call about Trip, um, but I think it also works because mm -hmm. if you think about how it was done and. The original series, Scotty was often left in command whenever right. Kirk was Kirk was gone. Now, of course, you know, I mean, it, it works because you know it would be Kirk, Spock, and McCoy, 
And Spock was the first officer, but if he's with Kirk, then obviously next person in line would be the engineer. And the same follows true here on Enterprise. You know, wherever Archer goes, uh, T'Pol's not too far behind, and so Trip tends to be the one left behind, and then, yeah, he's he's in command. He does bring a different energy to it. Um, he's a bit more, um, I'm not going to say emotional, but definitely more um, emphatic. You know, he's he's very uh we're not going anywhere we're not doing anything like he's he's so <laughs> he's 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 definitely archer's <laughs> f- best friend he's like we're not leaving him like i don't care what's going on we're not going anywhere until archer's back on here it's the, it's almost like he's saying you know to a certain extent to hell with everything else wait till this man comes back and then and yeah. then we'll leave um overall impressions of the episode it it was never one that um I guess bothered me like I I never thought that necessarily that was a good episode but it was never oh god I can't wait for this one to be over either and all the times that I've watched and rewatched and I give a large credit to that to Scott Bakula because he does such a great job on selling it in almost every scene that he's in like I just never really see him mm-hmm. you know phoning it in and it's just great to watch him get in the full makeup and all the rest of it and he just goes for it you know he absolutely uh uh goes for it and i love that um what else one thing that is that always bothers me when they do shows that are all about like genetic manipulation and this goes across all forms of sci-fi there's always the one character that for some reason the transformation happens to slower than all the other ones and there's no explanation for it like we watch hoshi and reed transform and it's almost instantaneous and yet archer we get this full slow-mo 80s montage style breakdown of him (laughs) of him working his way to becoming one of these low keck things you know so it's just like why like what about him is so different that it's that much slower you know and I mean, to Paul is always easily explained away, and, and that was another thing that bothers me is it always tends to be a fallback of oh Vulcan resistance, Vulcan, you know, strength, Vulcan superiority, and that's why once again she is otherwise <laughs> impervious to whatever goes on, unless it's something sex related. Then she's like the first one to fall, she's the first one to go down, and I'm just yeah, those things so, bother me. Not superiority, but but neural density the density of her neural tissue. And I, the only reason I say that is it's not explained in the episode. Um, that's something that I, I drew from previous Trek where Tuvok had been injured. You know, Tuvok was injured a lot, actually. Um, well, they, they, <laughs> there, loved, they loved beating him up. They just, yeah, that was it. They, they loved beating him up. Yeah. There yeah. were a lot of episodes where him being Vulcan saved him. And, and, you know, if it had been a human, he would have been killed. And so I kind of I liked how that translated and how they played that off here. Well, I liked that she was mid transformation and not it was not able to complete because of that being the reason. But again, that's why that's why I would call it superiority because it's like you know it's it, there's this constant distinction that just because she's Vulcan, it's not because she's got any kind of specialized training or she did anything that you know, would prevent her from being susceptible to this disease. It's just, oh, she happens to be the Vulcan one, so it doesn't bother her. Same as when they were trapped in that cave in the early episode in, what was that, season one, and the, yeah. the you know, the poppies or whatever. The, the, I, call it the, the, mm-hmm. I call that the Wizard of Oz, the super acid trip one, because, you know, they all smell the flowers, and everybody goes nuts except for her until, like, the very, very end, she starts to slip a little bit. But just because she's got a natural hardy Vulcan resistance. No other explanation given. Just, nope, she's alien. They're not. Boom. Done. You know, pin that on the dartboard. We're going to keep There's circling those Vulcan back. K-cells. Right. You know, so, you know, things like that um, always stand out to me as, as troublesome. I mean, I would like it if instead of making them impervious or highly resistant it affected them in a totally different way. Like, what if instead of her mutating into one of the little keck things, she turned into some kind of, like, I don't know, demon dragon-type monster that was, like, the Lokek's natural predator. So, like, you had three Lokeks and then the Lokek predator over here that was, like, stalking them while they were transforming. 
you know, brings me flashbacks to that TNG episode <laughs> where they all, where they all, everybody de-evolved and Worf was a monster. Worf, yeah, oh, dude, that was the yeah. scariest thing when I was. A kid. I have I to admit, yeah, you. I have to admit, when I watched it as a kid, I screamed. I did. I'll admit <laughs> yeah. it. I watched it as a kid and I screamed. But, um, but like that would be that would have been a cool thing for them to do in that si- yeah. in that scenario. Um, Some sort of ultra predator. I guess yeah, that. That'd be you cool. know, like because I mean that's what they were they were becoming yeah. the one creature. So wouldn't it make sense that on that planet they would also have a predator of some kind, right? That keeps them in check. What if one of them turned into one of them? That would have been you know a cool little throwback or you know introduction. I liked Archer at the end doing what he could to preserve the culture. You know, even though they were no longer going to be transformed into those things. They obviously had a genetic memory. They could, you know, they knew there was a culture that existed there. And rather than just obliterating it, he tried to preserve it. Like maybe just because we don't understand it right now, maybe somebody in the future will. And uh, they can do something to bring these people back. You know, I I did like that touch. I liked it. It was, it was, um, I feel like a very human thing to do. Don't just destroy the thing you don't totally understand and, rightfully or fearful of because it could transform you and your whole crew into whatever but recognize it for the specialness that it is and try to preserve it so again overall with the episode i thought that it was it's it's a solid one i can understand why some people may not like it um but at the same time i think it gives a lot for like the characters and how they act and again once again you know scott bacula doing a great job on on selling a story that he really could have just laughed down. Like I could also see him being like, this is ridiculous. I'm not going to do it, you know, and then having to find someone else. So, yeah. Yeah. I can say, yeah, with, with the, my first thoughts on this episode, I, I'd probably say some pretty similar to Perry's. I mean, I, I enjoyed it. I mean, it was something different that, that we hadn't really seen before. in any, at least in any of the track that I had seen really, um, but yeah, that definitely a strange one, and I would say it's more of an an, an acquired taste with this episode as opposed to you know everybody's got to like it. But then again, I didn't. I I liked it before I knew I was supposed to hate it. Put it that way. I have to give mad props to Linda Park in this episode. Um, her yeah. her acting was super on point. Like she i bought it i just i bought it she was acting like an animal almost her her all of her mannerisms changed and it seems so natural for her none of it was forced um scott bacula as well um and and um of course reed too um trying to think of his actual name help me out here it just just slipped my mind oh man dominic keating Dominic Keating, yeah. yeah. So I thought yeah. I thought all three of them did a really good job of slipping into something that couldn't have been natural. Like you said, Perry, when they got the script, they could have just been like, "No, nah, I'm not doing this." No. Um, but they really put their no. all into it, and it felt that that aspect of it felt natural. As a character, Malcolm really grows on me. He really grows on me. I have to admit, like when he first appeared, first episode, I he was the only character that I instantly didn't like. I was just like. Mm-mm, just not I don't know what it was about him but just just seeing him I was like nope and then over time he really did like step out of that kind of like that dumpster pile of characters I was just gonna not pay attention to and he just really you know uh, won me over a bit um, I liked seeing him and Archer fight that weird animal dominance thing that they were doing you know um Mainly because, like, I always feel like that's how Malcolm feels anyway. Like, he should be in charge or he should have more importance. Um, and I think we see that in a couple of episodes. You know, he kind of expresses himself a little bit more, jumps to the forefront on a couple of things. Um, and so I always feel like he's got that kind of undercurrent of, if you give him an inch, he's going to take that mile, you know. And um, uh, so I definitely love seeing that. And, and well, once again, seeing Bacula just you know, sell it on knocking him back down and being like, it's like, even as animal things, Archer is in command. So it's just like, we know that no matter what Archer is going to be the dominant one in command, you know? Um, And yeah, I will give Linda Park a lot of uh, credit too. Cause you know, 
Um, they really just don't ever seem to know what they want to do with her. And so when you do see her in scenes, I love that she takes full advantage yeah. and she shows her range. And I think she does a great job in this one too. Um, she was also a character that I, I found least likable at first. Uh, the constant complaining about wanting to go home or wanting to make changes or, you know, not wanting to be involved overall, it really wears on you. And so I was glad to one, have an episode where she, was forced to step away from that. But two, also see that, you know, it changes her later on in another episode. She stops being that way and really does start to embrace her role on uh, on the ship. So, yeah. I agree. Yep. So, we'll go ahead and uh, head on down to our, our, our next point here. Uh, thoughts on, on how they, they designed the low cack here. So, so what did you guys think of the makeup? Those weird things in their neck. Uh, well, the, the makeup was good. Um, the weird things in the neck kind of triggered me a little bit. Like I, I, you know, triphobia, like fear of holes. Trophobia, yes. Things. Yes. Yeah. I didn't like that. It made me feel, <laughs> it, it, but it played well into the storyline. They were, they were like Perry said, very animalistic. Um, regardless of, you know, the species themselves, they were intelligent and sentient, obviously, but they had animalistic tendencies. Um, and, you know, Archer didn't just beat down Reed. He beat down one of these guys in full gear, too. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? So he was going yeah. crazy. Um, so I really thought the makeup was on point. Like, it should have won an award for something. Um, it was good. You know, Scott Bakula is just kind of hyper-aggressive, I think. Because, I mean, there's a lot of times where he just kind of goes for it on those on those fights. And you can almost see where it takes the actor, his opponent, by surprise. Like, they're just, <laughs> they weren't ready for him to be so so physical. You know, and in having watched Bakula in a lot of different things, uh, now that I think about it, uh, he's always been rather, you know, a physical actor, you know. So, um, yeah, again, I think that's what makes him so enjoyable to watch because he, he really does get into it and just goes for it. Um, mm -hmm. My opinions on the makeup, I, I enjoyed it. I liked the initial transformation scenes. I thought the CGI effects they used, especially like onto Paul when they did, you know, were showing like the outer ridges of her head and everything starting to subtly change and then like that resistance kicking in a little bit there. I liked um I didn't enjoy the little like as you called it earlier, the CSI X-ray breakdown of Archer. Um mainly because yeah. I just feel like that's exactly what it was. It was a it was a crappy gimmicky uh, effect to use that we did that we didn't need it went nowhere like did his like we didn't see him in the very next scene that because he had reinforced ribs he gets like i don't know hit by a falling tree or something and he just shrugs it off like something that would indicate why that was a well why it was necessary you know um so i just i don't like effects that don't go anywhere don't lead to anything and i feel like that one didn't okay. um one that i really enjoyed because i found it unnerving was the sound they were making that awful clicking? Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah. that I was like, whoever came up with that, that's a stroke of genius because it just it sounds so awful and alien and well, it's kind of terrifying in a way. And it was just like, are they doing that? Like that's what I was thinking. Like, is, are they doing that? Do they train the actors to make that sound, or is somebody doing that? Like just off screen somewhere and they're just opening their mouths and the sound is coming, you know, like what was it? But that, I thought that was really nice, a really nice touch um, for the overall effect of them being transformed into something else. So, yeah, I agree. But yeah, yeah. For, for, for me with, with, with their look, I, I really did, did like it because it was, it was, you know, more than just a forehead. We got, you know, you know, we did, we did get a little bit of forehead. We got bumps around the eyes, like, uh, cogenitor, like that species. Right. Mm -hmm. Can't think of the, the name off the top of my head. But, but yeah, that that then it it was really weird seeing you know the frog like bulges. Ooh, yeah, that was a good good call out, frog like. <laughs> oh yeah, with that jumping they were doing. Yeah, yeah. It was really weird seeing the frog like bulges on yeah. the back. And that finishes that thought, so we're good. <laughs> so, so kind of, kind of tangenting off this one, do, does this episode hit a little bit differently now that we're in a post-pandemic world that we've all lived through? Yeah, it was something Jordan had uh, started on earlier. 
I, I think it does. Yeah. Definitely. Now that we've all, like, the whole world has been forced to live through a quarantine, you know, and understand the reasons behind that, I think it just hits differently. Mm-hmm. I, I totally agree. I think that, you know, I, I agree with what you said earlier. When first watching the episode, it was like, oh, my God, your your thought is to is to kill them. They were your friend. They were your coworker. They were your colleague. And you're just going to burn them to death, you know. And now it's just like, uh, heck, yeah, you burn them. <laughs> don't let them touch you. Even if you've got a suit on, like, don't let them get near you. Yeah. Don't breathe that air. Like, absolutely. it. Um, and I think it's going to make all television both past and present, past, present, and future. I mean, I think we're going to see that change in the way that they handle things that are about like pandemics and outbreaks and contagions and so forth. The way that we look at them is always going to be different now. And I'm really interested in watching that change and, you know, kind of documenting that change throughout different shows and how they handle it. A couple of people in the office get sick all at the same time and just watch the whole place shut down and instantly have protocols for social distancing and, and all that, all that stuff, you know? Uh, yeah. But yeah, I think this episode is a great call out to the fact that we were just, you know, it was filmed during a time when we were, you know, obviously very naive and had very little understanding of how disease works and people were just making stuff up on the fly because it sounded cool in an episode versus now we kind of all had a forced education on viruses and, you know, how how viruses and contagion spread and the importance of a viral load, which I'd never heard that term before until they were talking about the COVID vaccine, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. having, to, having to have that whole conversation. So, like, there's a lot that we get now that educates us as the viewer that now they have to take into consideration as as writers on these shows. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. Yeah, de- definitely. I think it's always a tease, too, when they end the episode, um, you know, with they they ended this episode with flocks putting that in stasis and i'm always thinking okay we're going to revisit this we're going to revisit this at some point now obviously you know we've talked multiple times about enterprise not getting its fair shot but um you know i can i hate it i, I it's a pet peeve of mine when star trek does that and then they never they never come back to it um uh, well, strap in, my friend, because <laughs> that ain't the first no, time. No, it's not. It's not. <laughs> it's it's one of those things, though. Um, but uh, no, I I thought that Archer's line about you know we're out here to save humanity from the Zindi. I'm not going to destroy another species in the process of that. Um, it was very like you see where Starfleet gets its prime directives. You see where Starfleet mm. starts to mm-hmm. develop these regulations and things. It all it's coming from the field experience of this of this particular starship captain. I'm sure numerous others. Um, you know, it's I'd say it's not a very human thing to do. I'd say it was a Starfleet thing to do. I'd, I'd say humans are very good at destroying things that they don't know, understand, or have a desire to know or understand, um, and justifying those things. But Starfleet is better than that. They're an organization that um, that can that exemplifies the best of humanity. So I enjoyed seeing that on the screen. That's why I enjoyed the ending the most. What if he had used the low yeah. virus on the Zindi? <laughs> See, that would have been a great episode. I mean, that yeah. would have been a great episode. Turn them all into low <laughs> One torpedo. You know what I mean? Like I can see right, that's all it takes. Yeah. Re- release it on like the insectoid ship too. So that way we can see the, mm-hmm. the, like a real transformation going on Ooh. there. Oh, I would not. I'm like, yeah, I'm just the worst ones, like the insectoids and the reptilians. Get them first and leave the other ones because the other ones weren't so much of a problem, in my opinion. The insectoids and the reptilians were the more aggressive ones. So use it on them. Watch them turn Mm -hmm. into Lokek and watch their military just be decimated because all their most militaristic uh, members are all suddenly Lokek creatures. Yeah. Yeah. Problem solved. Done. People people ask that about Star Trek that a lot. You know, why wouldn't they just beam a photon torpedo onto their bridge? Or why wouldn't they use a biological weapon or something? I think it's very interesting, especially when you compare it to shows like Stargate, where the moment they get beaming technology, they're instantly trying to beam something like a warhead <laughs> onto an enemy ship. You know what I they mean? They sure did. They um, sure did. As soon as they realized they had that technology, they used and they blew up like four different ships 100%. in a row in, within, <laughs> within seconds of each other. Like it wasn't, it wasn't a, 
uh, a gradual lead up. Either it was like, oh, we have beaming technology. Beam that warhead there now. Exactly. Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. Like I remember that episode. But I think it speaks to like the development of what of humans in this show. Like we're supposed to be more evolved. That's not supposed to be our go-to solution. We're supposed to think of other ones. I think we've seen in a couple episodes where you know they they like you know Janeway with that virus she was going to use on the Borg. They're not above doing it, but they it's not their go-to. So I think that an evolved humanity is very much at the at the forefront of this show, and that's one way it's manifested. You know, you bring up Janeway and not and using well, the virus. I'm sorry, I have to, I have to. Sorry, not to cut you off. Uh, I think, I think, I think we're going to be bringing up the same thing. Oh, so okay. Well, you brought up Janeway and using the <laughs> and virus. Baby, we never you know, see again. To, but to hurt I, the bird. Please continue. <laughs> Okay, well, so like, so it's funny to me because she didn't want to do it with Echeb when his parents had, you know, engineered the virus, um, which is how they got Echeb on the ship in the first place, you know, Uh, so she didn't want to do that. But then she later on does it. But also, let's not forget that, you know, we had Picard who was faced with the same kind of issue in TNG with his ass and they had the opportunity (laughs) right then. He did. He did. He absolutely did. And I always wondered, like, I would have loved to see, like, when Janeway was kind of, like, going through those moments of wrestling with what yeah. she was going to do, if there had been that callback to, like, her as a captain getting access to Picard's, you know, logs or even his personal logs or whatever and hearing how he weighed the decision ultimately to yeah. not do that. And maybe that factored into her decision to do it. That is one of the things about Star Trek that I really wish they would start paying attention to as a way of streaming together the continuity of those grander ideas. Because they all kind of hit on the same things over and over again. It's just now we have a different captain, we have a different crew, and it would be great if they just would make this a call out. Well, you know, Cisco did this, and he did it for this reason, and I understand his reason. Our situation is a little bit different, so I'm going to go with option B instead of option A like he chose. Or, hey, he was right the first time. I'm going to do exactly what he did last time. Like, what, any of those things. Or, you those know, damn Maquis were going to blow up their plan. Right, right. You know, or, you know, Archer was right. He saved this disease because it was part of the culture. It was establishing a life, you know, uh, establishing a, an entity, not just a one life, but a whole civilization. So, you know, maybe Janeway's take on the caretaker would be different because she remembered that and was aware of that. You know, like things like that, if they would just like, and I know it's hard with Voyager considering that it came technically before Enterprise, whatever. But I'm just saying, if they would be mindful of these things and do stuff, it would make, I think it would make the franchise better huge you know versus huge missed opportunity yeah i remember as a kid like when i would play star trek in my room i would be meeting up with these various captains and i think as fans we all wanted to see that like them interact with each other the only episode we do is you know the premiere uh is emissary or whatever the premiere of deep space nine i don't know how it was received back then i just know that since they didn't do it again my guess is that it i mean everything that they did was to try to separate the shows instead of integrate them. And you know what I mean? If they had just reversed that formula a little bit, um, I mean, they do drop some, they drop some, I don't know, tributes or. Well, well, yeah. Voyager starts at deep space. Right. You're right. So I guess they did. It's something about the premieres that they, well, of those two series that they, they did enjoy doing, um, you know, integrating them, but I would have loved, just like you said, to see, um, to see them read, you know, each other's captain's logs, um, to see them interact. And I think that's, you know, when I read, when I read what Nemesis could have been, um, and also who could have directed it, Frakes actually turned it down. Um, I was like, oh man, <laughs> like this is everything that I ever wanted. It was, it was end game before end game. It was Marvel universe before Marvel universe. So, um, I just read an article earlier today that talked about the Star Trek Voyager ending that uh, never yeah, was, which was this, I, I mean, it was, it was eye opening Cause I, I never knew any of that stuff. And it's like, and it makes me always wonder how they like keep these things secret for so long. Cause I feel like I do everything I can to investigate all things Trek whenever they occur. And it's like, how did y'all sit on this for <laughs> 20 years? And I never saw it, you know, but, um, 
but yeah, I mean, I know that it would be hard for them. It, it, it would have been impossible for those shows like Cisco and Janeway and so forth to make call outs to Archer. But I would love to see in like Picard now and also Discovery and, and most importantly, Pike uh, or Strange New Worlds when it airs, if they did do some um, callbacks to Archer and his crew on the NX-01. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's, it's as we've said many, many times on other uh, podcasts, it's such a criminally underrated show. And I feel like they could do themselves a great service by making references to Enterprise to make people go back and watch Enterprise. Because it takes a second viewing of Enterprise to really start to appreciate it. Agreed. You know? Like, At least. I... I yeah, I mean, you, you have to go back. And I mean, we all end up circling back, of course, and watching our favorite one, you know, but we all end up circling back and watching all of them, I think. And if you haven't gone back to watch Enterprise, if you keep skipping over Enterprise, you're really doing yourself a disservice. It is, It really is a great show. Like, it just, it needs time. It needs that benefit of time. So I think we've actually already answered our, our, our resolution question that, Archer was, in fact, right in preserving the virus. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think we've already answered it. Yeah, I do too. All right, so yeah, we'll just go... We'll, we'll, we'll skip that one when we get to it. So, uh, thoughts on, on the uh, the Guardians of this area? They were hardcore, and they... Flamethrower dudes. They, um... I mean, of course, I'm going to refer to the, the one ship battle in the episode. It was very brief, but they overpowered Enterprise very quickly very quickly so obviously they were um somewhat technologically superior i'm always <clears throat> i'm always comparing like you know um enterprise's current level of technology to the various species that they encounter and it's always it's i love how subtle it is it's never the same it's never like yeah these guys kick their asses yeah i mean yeah. enterprise could have put up a fight uh, they didn't because they were running and because archer stepped onto the bridge at the right time um, but I, I liked that they, they took some damage and they were trying to reevaluate their options. Um, and then from there, you know, they were able to find a peaceful resolution, but it, it always fascinates me just how much, you know, damage or, or not damage that these aliens are doing to the ship and how long enterprise can hold up against, um, you know, the various adversaries that they come up against. So these guys were pretty powerful. You know, you have to think, um, Enterprise is at this point squared off with um, Osarian pirates. They've squared off with a with three Klingon birds of prey, um, and they were doing all right. You know what I mean? So these guys took their whole plating down to forty percent with the you know a couple couple volleys from two ships. So they've got mm -hmm. powerful weapons, and they're good at killing. <laughs> is the conclusion that I'm going to draw from that? Yeah. Um. I didn't, I didn't enjoy them too much. I think that obviously yeah. we're presented with a very one-dimensional side of them. They're just out here to eradicate this this virus, you know. Um, that one actor who was their lead, the lead alien, I don't know his name, but I swear he's been in every sci-fi everything. Uh, and... Is he from Twenty Four? I, I just don't like Is that like Curtis it. Manning from Twenty Four? Is that a different guy? Let's see. I'd have to look to see who Curtis Manning is. I don't think so. Um, but this guy, he's he's been on everything. He was on Stargate. He was on the show called Dark mm, Matter. Yeah. yeah. Obviously, he was in Voyager, um, uh, or Enterprise. You know, he's been in all these things. And I swear, I'm convinced the only reason why they cast him is because of his voice. Like I think that somebody somewhere said his Probably. voice sounds really cool. We're gonna keep we're gonna keep bringing him back. But everything else about him is terrible. Like in my opinion, it just it just is. Like I don't see anything else about him that makes him actor worthy. And uh, I mean, I I'm not an actor. I probably shouldn't be criticizing because I mean, heck, he's doing. He's probably making way more money than me. Than you know, whatever. But at the same time, I just don't enjoy his performances. I'm just like, man. Every time I see him pop up, I'm like, ah, this guy again. Can y'all get someone else, please? You know. Um, and that that's just how I feel about him. So yeah, it was to me. 
seeing him diminish the aliens. Like, I didn't care about anything else about them. I was like, uh, let's just hurry up and skip through his scenes already. Get to the end so we can get to something else. Because I just don't want to deal with him. <laughs> now, now, did you guys notice how their ships look like, like their nose area? Like the front of the ship? I didn't. Now that you mention it, though, I mean, the ships were really, they were tiny. Um, they reminded me of fighters a yeah. little bit. Uh, no, I'm sorry, I did not. I did not notice that. I can say, yeah, when when I first saw it on the uh, coming across the screen the other day, that was like the first thing. I was like, wait a minute, are these these don't these aliens have a? And then then we should see the picture of the guy, and sure enough, they had that the the ridge that kind of goes straight down, you know, from the forehead down to the point of the nose. So hmm. that's one that's one thing I, I I just happened to notice. In, in this in this uh, most recent rewatch, that's a good call. They also remind me of the ships, and now I'm gonna have to go back and watch it because I feel like they reused those ships um, when they see that's what when I'm they met thinking. the Trianons or whatever when they met those <laughs> uh, those yes. psycho religious people. And, yeah, and that's my episode that I hate. Yeah. And if and when we when we get there, I'm just I. <laughs> Well, can't stand uh, it. They, they do show up. They do show up later on in this season. So yeah, we'll we'll, we'll be getting. Yeah, to they're that. not too far off. Ugh, I can't stand it. I hate that episode so much, so so much. But I mean, like, it's I'll watch it, but I hate <laughs> it, and I and and I hate yeah. and even though even though I still think overall it's a good episode, I still yeah. hate it. So uh. I, it's cr- it's cringy because it's. I know we're not talking about it, but like the just the level of intensity that that guy brings to it, and the, the his explanations yeah. for things and stuff, it makes it yeah. difficult to get through. But I I do enjoy it because of all of the ethical implications and and discussions it brings up. You know, well, it just sounds so familiar. Like how much of that rhetoric? Actually, we that's hear true. Disturbingly, daily, disturbingly you know? familiar. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So. Okay, so, well, so let's, not, let's, back yeah, let's, say, let's not go into it now. Let's not go into it now. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm circling back in, into this discussion, though. Roger Cross is the guy that played... Roger played Cross, that, okay. That, that commander. So he, that's not... I don't... Oh, wait. I think it might be. Did you get him confused? Did no! Did you get him confused with the all no! guy? No, no, that's... Um, I know that guy, too. That's, <laughs> that is the guy from... That's Dennis That's Dennis Haysbert from 24. This guy played Jack Bauer's partner on 24. Curtis Manning. Curtis Manning, yeah. Yeah. So when you say that he... Never watched Oh, he makes bank. <laughs> Big bank. <laughs> but yeah, the All-State guy is Pedro Serrano in Major League. What? Yeah. Pedro Serrano. The guy, the guy that's the All-State guy played Pedro Serrano. Oh, I've never... Major it's League. been a while since I've seen Major League. The the, the, the guy that couldn't hit a curveball huh. from Cuba. Yeah, I was a kid when last... Like, I, I, this is back in the days when I had, like, four channels <laughs> and was, like, sitting in my living room as, like, a five-year-old. I think that's maybe when I saw Major League. <laughs> so it's, it's been a little while. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. So, we'll... We'll we'll go ahead and bring it bring up Trip and the Lucky Peach. I mean, it kind of it kind of feels like they're trying to pay homage to James the Giant Peach for some reason to me, but you know, I didn't get that. I I felt it was a very just unnecessary. Uh, uh, I don't know about unnecessary. Scene. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the hell out of it. Seeing to Paul's reaction, I'm like I'm sitting here like you have been living among two humans too long. Like she's like letting him get under her skin. You know what I mean? She's like. This doesn't make up for the last two sessions you missed. I was like, oh, <laughs> even back then. I, oh, snap. yeah, exactly. Well, well. So is this is is this um, was this also post her no. Charlie MD? This is pre Charlie MD. No, that's no. what made it unique for me. This is pre. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'm still gonna say it was unnecessary and gratuitous. <laughs> Why couldn't he have? Why couldn't he have brought those peaches to her when he knew she was on her lunch break in the mess hall? He had to wait. You had to wait until you were alone with her in, your, in her quarters, and then you watched her like a creeper as she took he a did. bite and like that odd smirk on his face as she ate the thing. Everything about it, I was like, you need to leave. Like you need to leave. She needs to like 
I don't know, write you up, and then we all <laughs> need to just go sit in the decon chamber because that was gross. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's it's just I don't. I, but then again, at the same time, I don't like watching oh, okay. people eat. So yeah. watching her take a bite of the peach, I was just like, uh, <laughs> this does nothing for me. Like you, you were already hot. You were already attractive. I got that. Trust me. I was not going to knock you at all, but now that I see you eating, <laughs> like that's a problem. That's, <laughs> we now have a problem. Yeah, that is, I, I'm going to go when we talk about so favorite I, moments of this episode, that's, that's mine right there. <laughs> okay. Well, before we get to favorite moments, um, I kind of found found a couple of connections to, to different episodes from series past. Masks and Genesis from TNG, and also uh, Babel from DS9. To me, to me, those those kind of seem like they were. It was kind of like a a morphing of all all three of those. Because we had, at first we had a different language where you know, or we had the language thing with Babel, the mute mutations like in Genesis. And masks because they were trying to get to this place that didn't exist anymore. Trying to remember that episode. You're talking about the episode Masks where Data makes oh, the clay mask Masaka is And he and he basically becomes a whole civilization unto himself. His yeah. positonic matrix gets overwhelmed and he becomes okay. So I can see that. I can see the cultural parallel. He's a civilization. They're trying to restore a civilization. Yep. Okay. I can see that. Then with with Genesis, um, that's the one where where Barkley uh, mm-hmm. gets the yes the T cell activation. Barkley Protomorphosis syndrome. That's what it's named. Yep. Barkley Protomorphosis uh, yeah. syndrome. And Worf becomes I, super I got, Worf that's, and that's, scares the hell out I, of children yeah. across the nation. <laughs> I got those vibes from this episode. I think that plays into why I don't like it. <laughs> it just um, freaks me out. Then, then I'm, I'm also bringing up Babel just because of the... The language issue? Yeah, I can see bro. It's, it's also well, a virus. That, that it's also a, yeah. the, the virus spread, spread yeah, quickly, Yeah, a virus too. that affects them. It spreads very quickly, so. makes it to where they can't communicate. Ultimately kills people. Well, I mean, this virus on Enterprise though doesn't kill anybody; it just transforms them into something else. Um, but no, I mean, still the viral connection. I see that. I can see that. Yeah. So, did you guys think of anything other than those three? Let me think here for a second. Something about an underground city. I feel like we've seen that before. Well, you might be thinking of the episode of. Voyager Sub Rosa, and that was dealing with um, underground. Okay. Uh, or the the hidden society that was the precursor to the Borg, when Vo- when Bolana was going through the uh, the Ponfar because of Vorik, and they were on that planet. Oh yeah. And they were discovered by those aliens that were trying to hide themselves away from everybody else, and they lived in basically the walls and caves and whatnot because they were hiding from the Borg. Yeah. That's right. That's oh, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Something about that storyline like stuck with me. Like um, I feel like I've seen it in other Star Trek where you're driven to, you're being driven to a place. We even see it in Discovery a little bit when Spock is, you know, going on his acid trip, you know, to save the the universe or whatever. He's being driven to Altair Four or whatever. Um, I feel like I've seen it in other in other series before, though. That singular um being drawn to an ancient civilization yeah I'm trying to remember you know that always i those are the storylines that i enjoy the most when they stumble upon a civilization that everybody thinks is right. extinct right but then like they find members of them alive and well but they're like in hiding from some terrible bad whatever yeah. it is and it's just like I really wish they would continue those storylines and bring in those big bats. Like, obviously, we see that in Voyager when they bring in the Borg, you know, which was great. Like, I love that tie-in, you know. Um, but Boy- I wish they did that more on other on other shows and other sci-fi shows. Like, if you come across a civilization that was great and fantastic and wonderful, but then for some reason altogether disappear but then you find some of them and they're like oh no we didn't disappear we went into hiding because something out there was killing all of us Mm -hmm. i would love to see that follow-up 
you know, t- as to what it is. You know, that would be great. So I'll, we'll go ahead and go to uh, favorite moments and final thoughts and kind of get us wrapped up for for this week. So, Jordan, since this was your least favorite episode, I want to know what your favorite favorite moments were. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, the Georgia peaches with Trip with Trip at the beginning. I thought that that was humorous. I know you hated it. Um, I like I said, I like the cheesy stuff. I like that because um, we all get it, right? But she's a Vulcan, so she's like the cultural. You know, he's playing on her a little bit, which I thought was funny. Um, and then, and then of course, um, you know, the shuttle pod hightailing it back to the ship. And then we see him just break orbit like a beast and and hit warp four. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that's the other thing I didn't mention when I talked about that earlier is not only are these guys powerful, but they're faster than Enterprise. You know, um, I'm surprised that Trip didn't push the engines harder and um, and try to, you know, push it to warp five. Like, he, I mean, he probably knew the he knows the engines better than anyone else. So he's not Archer. He's not calling down there telling him to do something that's bad for the ship that's probably why you know he ordered warp four but uh i would have liked to have seen that chase play out a little bit better where they had to really try to get them because they just seemed like they caught up so quick um but i enjoyed the space battle i enjoyed um the humor in the beginning i really enjoyed linda parks acting in this i thought she was top tier um even a little bit more so than bacula and keating I just thought that she was awesome in this episode. I've never, ne- we've never seen her character do anything like this episode uh, before or since. And I, th- well, with the exception of Dark Mirror, that was also pretty interesting. Um, but yeah, absolutely. All right, Barry. Um, favorite scenes have got to be um, the initial transformation of uh, Reed. Uh, Hoshi and uh, Tapal didn't really enjoy Archers because it was just slow for no reason. Um, but I, I love the special effect of seeing that. Um, I like seeing the Archer Reed power struggle and watching them beat the hell out of each other for a little bit there over some mealworm filled eggs, which is. That throws me back to Picard on TNG when he's being tortured. Oh, you know, the yeah. infamous, there are four oh, lights, oh, and he's gotta, lights. he's gotta eat the, yeah. Oh yeah. He opens up that egg, Triggered. and it's full of mealworms. <laughs> you know. Um. Uh, yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. Uh. So there was there was that scene. Um. And even the initial scene, really, if you think about it, where they, you know, we don't really know what's going on. There's this character running through the woods, and then all of a sudden, he's he encountered these guys in hazmat suits who burn him alive. You know, so uh, that was a very striking scene to me that stands out. So that those would be mine. Um, overall impression of the episode, again, uh, not necessarily a go-to, but I don't think of it as a bad ep- episode. And uh, I give a lot of credit to Scott Bakula for really getting into it and selling it and making it something that, uh, you know, you can call back to and that you can enjoy. See, yeah, for me, uh, some of my favorite moments, uh, really, when when Archer was, you know, telling them about what he had seen in his dream of, of the, the city they were going to, going to uh, or Quat, I think is mm-hmm. what it was. Um, just sort of, you know, describe how excited he was describing how he saw, you know, in in the Lokek character, just you know, really, you know, like like you were saying, really selling it. That that's credit to, to Scott Bakula there. Um, my 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 sort of final thoughts is this is an essential episode for season three, because without it, the next episode falls apart, and the next episode falls apart. Because next week we're going to be talking about Regine, and then after that's Carpenter Street. So if Regine is able that's to get is is able to get the uh, the the DNA you know that's fully and not you know affected by this virus, then the reptilians don't need to go back to two thousands Detroit to get to get that. So therefore, this is an essential episode. I stand by what I said two years ago. 
Fair enough. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm going to disagree with you, but we'll wait until next week and we'll talk about okay. it. Okay. So, and then you said Carpenter Street. Go ahead. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I can say. Yeah, that's that's what we got coming up oh, in the next two weeks. Oh, because they go back weeks. in time. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gotcha. Because they go back in time. Which, um, we'll get to it, but there, I don't hate this episode, but there is an aspect of the episode that I hate, um, with a feral passion to the point that at these days, when I watch this episode on Netflix, I do skip it. Like I, okay. I literally skip it every time oh and we'll talk about it. I'm going to see if I can find it now. Cause this is one of my, I go back to this episode <laughs> and it's, it's a weird, oh, it's a weird okay. one for me. Cause right. No space battles. No, you know what I mean? But like the cat and mouse, like I love that aspect of that episode. So can't wait to talk about that one. All right. Okay. And uh, next week we're gonna have a special guest. Uh, Bruce Gibson's gonna be joining us from Positively Trek. Um, also, occasionally at the Unready Room whenever whenever he's got a free moment on there. So we'll we'll have Bruce on with us to talk about Regine. Excellent. Okay. So we're gonna go ahead and uh, wrap this one up, guys, for the week. Uh, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time on The Expanse. The Expanse, a Star Trek Enterprise podcast, is produced and hosted by myself, Chris Hill, and Kyle West, and is a part of the Hollow Sweet Media Podcast Network. To keep up to date with all the news and updates from The Expanse, be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at NX01Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at the Chris Hill, and Kyle on Twitter at Kyle Thomas West. To join the Suite Media Community Discussion Group, simply type the Nexus into the Facebook search bar, and we'll see you there. Thanks for listening, and until next time, keep your shirts on. This show is brought to you by Suite Media. Computer, list other available Suite Media programs. Loading Suite Preview Program 4, Beyond Farpoint, a Star Trek The Next Generation podcast. Why, why, where is this drama coming from? Why is Picard... Being a right ass, asshole to to his to his first officer. Yeah, and also as well the um, uh, oh, does a captain's life mean nothing to you then? Yes. Yeah. This is weird strange. tension. It's it's weird. You Riker's addicted to Geordie. Picard's addicted to, to Riker. <laughs> You've got um, Crusher being aloof to everyone. You've got Tasha being over earnest. Loading Holosuite preview program for her first trek. A Star Trek review podcast. And he's like, you what, Doctor? And the Doctor's like, that's right, Captain. I will have your guts for garters. <laughs> I'm trying to work out whose writing I would have preferred for that scene then. Yours or the writer of the episode? I mean, do you even need to ask? I would have made it spectacular. <laughs> <laughs> Probably bring glitter and things involved in it. Yours. McCoy throws Undoubtedly. glitter. Undoubtedly. Kirk, and it just takes on the And do you know how they meaning. solve the situation? Dance off! Oh, and a disco ball drops down from the ceiling... And Kirk's like, I had that installed when we first moved in. I'm waiting to use it. <laughs> Disco ball on the bridge, that'd yeah. be great. I can imagine RuPaul steps up then. Yeah. Know. If you can't like, love yourself. Oh, how in the hell are you going to love somebody else? Can I get an amen up in here? Amen. All right, now let the music play. Computer, deactivate Holosuite.